Thank you, Sister Rifa. Thank you. I just want to share, you know, that when, you know, something, <laughs> when Pastor Ava reached out about delivering this message, my knee-jerk reaction was, but, but stop, I'm not a preacher. That's what it was. And I said, you know what? No, you have to be obedient. So here I am. It's a privilege. It's an honor. I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. So, Father God, just let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So my prayer this morning, this afternoon is that I just want God to just use me to deliver and to impart to those who are listening what he wants not what Laverne wants to desi um, desire but what God desire and what he wants to pour into you so that is my prayer and that's my intent this morning and as I was deliberating and I pondered on this topic, worship results in generosity. I said, but I couldn't correlate it initially. So I meditated on it. And as would I say, you know, me chew my cord a little on it, as the Jamaican folks would say, you know? So I chewed on it and you know, when I did that and I reached out and started looking at materials, I got it. And I said, boy, Pastor Ava know what you're talking about. But I also said, God, you are really awesome. Oh, you really orchestrate things, how you align things, you know? So all the power, all the glory and the honor to him. And there was another thing that affirmed this while I was looking and I said, boy, this is really awesome. You know, when I think about the generosity, the goodness of God, I said, this is awesome. And in my research, I saw that, you know, when they talk about being in awe and being awe of the God that we serve, right? It's like, there's a host of benefits associated with it. it. Anywhere from happiness, health, happiness. And you know what? This was the affirmation. The unexpected benefits such as generosity, humility, and critical thinking. I said, boy, God, you're not easy. I said, boy, oh boy. Right, so 
I want to start first with the scripture reading this morning. And as you turn, um, it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And it reads, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't ever, don't think you're better than you really are. And this is a reminder for myself too. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our body is many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In its grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And what I wanna say is that I really have this warm feeling inside because, you know, I do wanna give a shout out to Pastor Ava, the, my sisters and brothers associated with the NLH because you know, you see all those characteristics that I just read about, each and every one of you. You know, you have exuded those type of characteristics, you know, in your area of the gift that God has bestowed in you. And I thank you for your obedience towards God also. So, worship. What is worship really? You know, we use the word and we ban it around and we go and say worship, worship. But what is really worship, right? And when I looked at the different definitions, meaning of worship, right? The one that stood out for me really is showing reverence and adoration. Because, you know, when it come on to God and God's business, it's not enough to say deep respect. That word reverence, I don't know. It just resonates with me. What about you, my brothers and sister? Isn't reverence a good word for, you know, to describe how 
how we worship, how we show our love for our Abba Father. So it's an act of paying homage to him and we honor him in this reverent manner. And when I looked up, you know, the root, the history of where we're coming from with this worship thing, right? There's a Greek word called proskuneo, right? And it's really saying, mean, um, the cross means towards, right? Towards, and the kunios mean kiss. So it's basically bowing down. You understand me? Surrendering, giving God all the honor and glory. And as the worship songs that Sister Tashina chose this morning, just really, 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 basically put the bow, tie it up, put the bow and the, the present, you know, the present that God has given us this morning. So it's a gift. And when you look at the Hebrew word, avodah, so it has a root in Hebrew and Greek. So what does God want from us? When we worship, right? When we worship, and I'm not talking about no pian pian worship, when we really worship God, surrendering everything to him, honoring him, it's with a reverence. And why is worship so important? We're giving honor. We're giving recognition to our creator, Elohim, our creator of heaven and earth. Remember, going back to the book of Genesis, right? Remember, he made all creatures great and small, right? And worship is an essential part of a Christian's life. This is a way for believers, right? To thank God for his love towards us, the love that he extends toward us. And we also can use worship, right? To kneel at his feet, at his throne of mercy and ask for forgiveness of our sins and transgressions, right? And understand, and while we're there, we need to understand the will the purpose he has for us. So we come into his presence to glorify him, celebrating what he has done for us in our lives, in our family's lives, in our community. And not to beat a dead horse, but we have seen with this pandemic, we have seen the things that it has done, people that have perished, but we thank God for his, and grace, his grace and mercy that we are here today to hear another word from him. So, you know, this worship thing, right? 
I remember Sister Rifa, you was talking about obedience, right? And how sometimes, you know, we will question God. And one of the things that you're praying for is that, you know what, God, I'm not going to question. It's that unquestioning devotion that you're going to have where there's no doubt in your mind. If God says it is so, it is so. Where he's concerned, there is no doubt. Because you love him so much that you don't bother question him. Because guess what? God knows what you need. And he will provide everything. And he all, what he does also, sometimes, you know what? We desire things. But God don't answer certain prayers when we pray for them because God know also too that that husband that he was praying for him no good. So he don't bother giving to you. Or that job that you're praying for, he knows that, you know what? He wants you to be a beacon of light and to win souls for his kingdom. And maybe that job that you're praying for and you're desiring of, guess what? You get too big for your britches that you don't remember God. So he's not gonna place you in that situation. He's gonna place you right at that point of need where he needs you, right? Can I get a hallelujah? Yes. Amen, sister. All right, so when it comes down to work, there are five elements to our worship, right? If you notice today, what did we do? We sing, but guess what? Most of the time, the focus is on the singing. Because guess what? It sounds good and we like to jig and we like to dance. But guess what? God requires more than that. So that's just a portion of it, right? Ephesians 5.19 says, though, he does want you to sing, you know, he wants you to dance and do that jig and get excited. But Ephesians 5.19 says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So he wants that. He wants the praise. He wants to hear it because that is just expressing that adoration for him. The other element is praying, speaking directly to the Father. I have to admit, I had challenges with this praying business until, guess what? I remember pastor said, boy, you know, it's like having a conversation with God like you would with your friend. And I said, but stop, I never thought of it like that. But once you get it like that, ask him anything, share anything with him. Because even though he's an all-knowing God and he knows everything about you, he still wants to hear from you. So I get it. So praying is speaking directly to Abba Father. First Timothy 2 verse 8 in every place of worship I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God free from anger and controversy so just talk to God 
talk to our God directly. Preaching. Persons hearing directly from the Father, right? The only thing is, he's using another person as a vessel or the oracle to impart his words or his teachings or his instructions to us. Romans 10, 14, you know, I like what it says. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him, in him, if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear, hear about him unless someone tells him? So guess what? Preaching has its place. Because guess what? Not everybody knows about our true and living God or the sovereign God we serve. And one of the things we take for granted is that living here on all the platforms, representative, Kenya, the United States, Jamaica, maybe Canada too, but guess what? We take it for granted. We know about God, but there are places where people don't know about God, the unreached. So we have to preach the gospel. We have to preach the word. So, but you know what? God cautions us to, you know, because we can preach, but we have to be very, very circumspect and we have to be very judicious, careful in what it is that we're imparting to folks, right? Second Timothy verse four, um, chapter four, verse two says, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. We have to patiently correct and rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. So we do that in love. We don't try to do it for the person to feel any less, but we have a responsibility. We have a mandate from God that when we need to correct, we have to. Giving. Giving comes in all shapes and form, right? So it's not just money. You know, tithes and offering is one aspect of it. But when we do, let me just touch on the tithes and offering, right? Because I know it always says, you know, because God gives us everything. And when it comes on to the money part, we give him 10%, right? 10% of what we earn. And you know what? When I was even thinking about this, another thing occurred to me. And I said, I never looked at it as simple as it is in that way. But my gosh, I know the 10% is not much, but think about the, the, when you look at it the other way. God, right? Is really, really giving us 90% of everything he provides. 90%, 90%. For us to enjoy 
90%. And only a mere 10% is asking for. And you know what? Just remember, God don't need that. He just wants us because he give us free will. So he's looking for us of our own volition to give back freely 10% or even more since you're giving freely, you know? And if you love God, you are gonna be compelled. You're gonna want to give more. Second Corinthians um, that my sister Tamar spoke about. Um, verse 7 um, speaks about that we're not giving reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves when you give it cheerfully. So he don't want nobody where it's like it's a heavy burden. You understand me? To give to his kingdom work. Last but not least, communion. This is where we partake in the Lord's Supper. Basically, we're recreating that time, that period in history when God was with his disciples, right? And he was having the last supper with them, right? It's a time to remember because we know the story of what happens after this. We know about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So when we partake in communion, we are really acknowledging the sacrifice of his life that he made for our sins and announce that we believe him. We, are, we have that belief in him. So worship as I said before, is an essential part of our Christian's life. If we're not doing any of these, we're lacking. Did you hear me? If we're not doing any of this, or we're not partaking in all of it, we are sadly lacking. And we miss the boat. But you know what? We're, we have a God of second chances, you know, that's a good thing because we may miss the boat today, but we get another chance. But we, guess what too? We have to be careful. We still have to hasten our footsteps, you know, because guess what happened? He's not going to wait forever and ever. Okay. So just remember that. So as worshipers, right? We're the salt and the light in the world, right? We thank God as believers for his love towards us in worship when we do it. We come to in his presence, right? To glorify him. So, 1 Timothy verse um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. It gives us instructions, right? Bear with me. 
it gives us instructions on worship. And here are, it reads, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Just don't pray for yourself, your neighbor, and you can pray for other people that you know. For example, right? What did you, what did um, Sister Tamar did today? She prayed for someone else. She don't know that person, but it was placed in the chat. And guess what? Because of what God has placed on in, into, outpoured into Thamar's life. Thamar wanted to pray for the Fields family. And she don't know them, but the fact that someone else know about it, she prayed, she put the petition before God. So we want to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede in their, on their behalf. Because sometimes, you know, people need prayer. But they can't do the praying themselves. So if we know about it, and that's one thing. One, once NLH gets wind of something, it goes out for the prayers to go out. So we want to intercede on people's behalf, give thanks for them. So God says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So that's First Timothy, verse um, First Timothy, chapter two, verses one to four. C.S. Lewis, right? I saw a quote from him, and I just wanted to share it with you. He said, "Only in the act of praise and worship can a person learn to believe in the." goodness and greatness of God. You know why? We know, we know, right, that God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But it's when we do that act, we kneel before him, we bow down before him, that's when we learn, you understand? We learn how great he is. So upon the screen, you'll see, and I'm sorry for those of you who are on Mixelar, we're looking at the word worship. And what I did was, I took each letters and make it into a mnemonic of how I was led. 
So the W is worthy. The O is one. R is revel. S is spirit. H is heart. I is for instruction. And P is a passion, is passion, right? So when it comes down to the W, worthy, worthy. And when we think of worship, we think about God and the worthiness, the attribute that we associate with God because he made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his son Jesus the life to save us from our, our transgressions and our sinful nature. So in worship, we want to ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name and worship him in the splendor of his holiness. And Psalm 29 speaks to that. My audience, I just want to say, I was just led to just um, interject this. I will continue with the message. And, but this just came up. I, I don't want to digress much, but this just came up to me. And I said, you might wonder why I'm quoting scriptures, right? But guess what? For those of you, right? Them, quote them. Who, huh? I am going to quote them. Quote them but I, I, I'm going to quote them, but I want you to know, for those of you who are on the line or on the Zoom platform, those scholarly people, you know, right? When you start doing anything, the first thing, right? You're writing a paper. Oh, on any kind of subject or topic. You start doing research on the literature, right? You do a literature review. And so everybody's going to be, so what the literature says, right? And for those of you, so this is why I'm quoting scripture. Because I have to go to the book, the Bible, the one that has the authority. Because remember, this is not coming from Laverne, Post and Solomon. It's coming from God. And your reference is in the Bible, right? For those of you medical people, right? When you looking at doing something, right? Rifa, you can, you, 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 you can really attest to this, right? When you do certain things, right? in your field that you're retired from, nursing for example, right? What is the thing for doing what you do? Something called a rationale, right? And it's based on what? Evidence-based, right? So we just don't do things because it feel good, right? It's because there's evidence to support it. So here we go. Hence the quotes from God's authority, the Bible. Amen, sister. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. 
So with the W, stick with me on this. Because guess what? It's going somewhere. All right? I'm just not talking off the top of my head. So just bear with me. I ask your indulgence. So O is the one and only truly and living God, right? Psalm 95. Psalm 95, chapter 3, verse 5. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and the hands formed the dry land. Boy, can anybody think of Anyone else that can do this? Nobody but Jehovah. All right, moving along. R, when we worship, we want to be in his presence. So we want to revel in his presence. We want to bask in it. We want to savor whatever he is pouring into us. We want that sweet aroma of Jesus. Psalm 16. Verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Joy. Sisters and brothers. Do you know about that joy? that I'm talking about. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. S is the spirit. And we're not just talking about any kind of spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, freedom. So there is liberty and there is freedom. H is for the heart. You know what? Um, Genesis, in the book of Genesis, we learn that the nature of the human heart is evil. The fact that God seeks us out and asks us for our hearts, it speaks to the love he has for us, that great love. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he said, I will remove you, remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So what is God saying here? Boy, oh boy. He wants the heart of stone to be turned towards him. Make it flesh where it softens. It is softened. So I is for instruction. 
and God has instructions all throughout the Bible. He says in Deuteronomy 28.1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commandments I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes. Your joy will overflow. So he goes on to say, this is John 15. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Did you hear that? Brothers and sisters, love each other in the same way I have loved you. And guess what? It's not easy because in our human frailties, we fall short of the glory of God and we do have characteristics or we exhibit characteristics that are unlovable. And I speak of myself too. So it's not an easy mandate from God. But guess what? There is a God who through the power of the Holy Spirit that can help us with that. Okay. It is said, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and enrolls them get mercy, finds mercy from God. Verse 14. Verse 14 says in Proverbs 28, right? Verse 14, blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Verse 23, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than who has a flattering tongue. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. We can, when someone does something right or somebody wearing something pretty, we can tell them because it's not flattery, you know. We're telling them the truth, that they look pretty and that's okay. However, when you know that someone did something and it's not right, it's hypocritical and it's not what God commands us to do. We have to correct them. But remember the heart. So we're going to do it lovingly. Lovingly. And in the end, when we do that, we receive favor from God. The greedy will stir up conflict, but those who trust in, in the Lord will prosper. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. So I just want to just 
for us to just think about that and look at something sometimes that happens in our lives. And we really have to interest, do some self-introspection, you know, and really look at what it is that we're doing as believers. Are we obeying these commandments, these instructions from God? Boy, last but not least, that P. It stands for passion. That's what it speaks to me, right? Passion and passion for God's wondrous ways. Wanting to please him. Wanting to please him because of the love that we have for him. So even though it might not be easy, we are gonna be obedient to his will, to his ways. Micah 6, 8 says, no, oh people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, what he requires of me to do what is right, to love, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Humbly. Okay, so the topic was worship results in generosity. So the different aspects of worship is an outpouring to God to demonstrate our love for him. It is an expression of our obedience and gratitude and the joy we have in him, only him. It is an overflow of God's love, of his goodness. And what does it do when we, when we are generous? We serve the purpose of our creator. We serve the purpose of Elohim, our creator. So we see generosity. When we look in the Bible, God, Jesus modeled generosity. You know, there's generosity and there's generosity. But Jesus exhibited something called a radical generosity. And when you really think about it, you know, when God wants us to model, Jesus wants to model his generosity. He's not asking to sacrifice our lives. Like he did, he died on the cross to save us from our sins. So that is radical generosity. Who else is going to pay with their life? I don't know anybody like that. Only God, only Jesus, right? And this is with a deep unselfishness. God wants us to reciprocate. You know, we got to pay it forward. It's like when you knew 
on a job, right? When you got there, you didn't know certain things. Somebody had to orient you, right? Somebody had to precept you to what it is that you need. So when you have others come behind you, guess what? You have to pay it forward. So when it comes down to generosity, that's what God's asking us to do. Pay it forward. Don't forget where you're coming from and what he has done for you, what he has done for me. So we are called to do that. In Genesis, right, we saw God with the gifts, right? God gives us because he made creatures, right? He made the universe, right? He created the universe, right? He created Adam and Eve, right? And what did he do? He gave us authority over his creation. So guess what? When somebody gives you authority over anything, guess what? It comes with an, it also comes with responsibility, right? You just don't get it like that authority and you got to do something with it, right? So humanity, we call to do our part. When God gives us with authority, we have to do our part. And God will do his share. As I said before, generosity is not about money. This is what really stood out for me. I've never heard it put, quite put like that. But, you know, it said the generosity God displayed towards us is for us to demonstrate. I know we have to give it back but this is this is the part that get me the the generosity god displayed toward us is for us to demonstrate towards one another but this is the part that i did not get when we demonstrate it to one another it is to create an abundance So our time, our money, our love and talents and resources, remember, they're all gifts from God. And fulfilling his purpose is to use these gifts to help others. We can't just get it and hold on to it and don't do anything with it because can you imagine what would have happened to us if God held back and didn't and was not generous towards us? So our father needs generosity from all different positions, different walks of life, different culture different everything so from hospitality to monetary giving to generosity in relationships and forgiveness yes i said it forgiveness 
Amen. Because to be forgiving, you have to be generous. We know hospitality. We serve others, right? And last week, Apostle Sister Annette Rosemary Marshall, when she spoke, she mentioned, she spoke about washing our feet and going to Kenya and washing our feet, feet, right? That is part of serving. And she does that. When we were at a retreat in Texas, Pastor Ava, Sister Annette, they wash feet and they are going to do the same thing when they go to Kenya. So what does this mean? Whatever it is that you're called to do, God wants you to just do it. And you know what too? I'm telling you, he calls us to be more than we think we are, right? Right? Because, you know, we put ourselves in a box and God wants us to step out in faith. What does that mean? Because even though you do certain things, God... I mean, God bestow different, you know, more than one gifts and talents in us. Or at least he want, he don't want us to just box ourselves in, you know. He wants us to try new things. Hence, here I am. Here I am. Talk about Amen. obedience. So this is my, you know, little thing about being obedient. I, I don't think this is my forte and I never thought of it. But guess what? In obedience, I step out in faith and trust God. And worshipped. Okay. Hallelujah. So. We, as I said before, time, when we give off our time, it's all of this. Worship in different forms, different aspects, because it takes time. But when you do make the time, it's an appointment with God. Is an appointment with him and he is pleased. He is pleased. God is so, so, so faithful. Now, 
I have to go back to forgiveness because you know what? I can speak for myself. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are others. Yes, my brothers and sisters that struggle with forgiveness. Some more than others. Because you know what? That this forgiveness business, it's not easy. It's an act of will. We have to let go of the feelings of ill will. And the, the desire for revenge when someone has wronged you. Because you know what? Sometimes, let's be truthful. We're not going to go out there and get a weapon and go after that person. But what do we do? We think the thoughts sometimes, and that in itself is a sin. So we need the divine grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. But guess what? You see this? The heart, it must be receptive and willing. How many of us have said we forgive with, with our mouths, right? We just perform the lip service, but we still harbor a grudge. That is not true forgiveness. But forgiving doesn't mean that you are going to diminish or minimize the magnitude of the wrong or the offense. We have to go through the process. We have to acknowledge the wrongdoing. First of all, acknowledging it so that we can repair it. How do we repair it? This is the part. <laughs> we have to bear the misdeed ourselves yourself instead of making the other person pay the price the box stops with us so hence the holy spirit to help us matthew 18 matthew 18 21 to 35 Mm, mm. Wow. This is the part. You see, when someone has wronged you, has done something to you, right? What it says in the story about the, the, the un, unforgiving debtor, when Peter asks the question, in verse 21 of Matthew 18. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? He asked, seven times? <laughs> oh no, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 
70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed a million dollars. But let me just go on to the end of this, right? So what God is calling us to do is that if your brothers and sisters, if you refuse, you don't obey the instructions, the command of God to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart, guess what? We are being disobedient. So what we want to do, brothers and sisters, is to release ourselves from these past situations. When we get a release, we're ready to move forward. And moving forward, we can embrace what God has in store for each and every one of us. So how do we do that practically? What's the practical application of all of this? God wants a relationship with us that is growing deeper into an intimacy with him. He is requesting, he is going after us. He's seeking our hearts, our whole entire being. Did you know that it doesn't matter how many gifts that we give to the Lord, that there is a requirement. No gift is acceptable to God until we have given him our hearts. He wants us. Because in truth and in fact, he don't need it. But when we give him our hearts, our whole entire being and surrender, everything else is added on. Everything falls into place. Even if we pray, even if we give our money, God wants our hearts. So God, you know what? You know what is good about this? What is so great about this? Guess what happened? You're tired of a leak, right? What do we do? We patch it up. Make no mistake, you know. God can patch up our hearts. But God decides, say, not going to have no patchwork quilt with our heart. He's going to give us a new heart. He's going to exchange out the old one for a new one, a transformed one. The parallel, if you think someone who has heart issues and you replace, they have 
problem with their one of their heart valves and they replace it's replaced do you know it have a about a 10-year lifespan guess what when god give you a new heart it doesn't have a lifespan that heart don't have a time limit where it has to be replaced again because god exchange it he take out the old one and put in a new one that is clean that is tender that is true and is warm so god wants to empower this heart right he wants to exchange it empower it with the power of the holy spirit and able us so we can walk like jesus and when we do that he gets he derives such pleasure from it he wants to enrich that heart also he wants to enrich our hearts so when we look at ezekiel chapter 36 26 to 38 god says I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land. You know what? You live in the land. But your heart is going to be of God. He needs our hearts to be steadfast. United with the one who never changes he's unfailing he never changes and with that heart you will be my people and i will be your god isn't this a rich promise from god so this promise God makes to us is that he will provide the field, the harvest, and the fruits of the harvest. We just have to surrender our hearts. And in turn, if we have that heart, he exchange that heart of stone, empowering us with the Holy Spirit empowering us we can deal with any crisis any tragedy disaster he can deal with our fears and any catastrophe whatever may come we can deal with it i read um you, you know, the parallel that I want to draw, right? And I thought this really stood out. There was a, um, a mill, right? Where to grind corn and it worked with water. So 
it broke down and instead of patching it up a new one was you know they put in a new installed a new one and the father was still you know because this is the son taking over and doing all of this the new one and the father went to try to use it the old way and he was fumbling and the son said to him like dad you don't have to do that just pull this switch and it did that so boy oh boy just think of it god giving us a new heart and he empower us right he give us the power power that's gonna drive the new heart and establish it so it can function and do what it's supposed to do so I just want in closing, I want you to remember that if you give God your heart, he can exchange it. He can empower it. He can establish it to do what it needs to do and he can enrich it. So when you look at it, though complex, God's generosity is simple at its best it is so refreshing and very very much liberating so are you willing for god to exchange your heart this is a question i know my answer what is yours so worship it does result in generosity i thank you for your time and i just wanna karen share this video with you all We don't yet know where the journey will take us or how it will shape our lives. We simply feel a quiet stirring, the call to be faithful stewards of what God has given us. It is the call to live a generous life, and we can't ignore it. We soon discover that cultivating a generous spirit doesn't come naturally. As God directs us, we start to prune away our excess. We make hard decisions, giving to others as we become aware of their need. A true spirit of Christian stewardship starts to take root, and we begin to see the shapes and contours of what God intends for us. When a change is needed, we start over, a little wiser and a little stronger than before. 
Over time, generosity becomes a habit and then a lifestyle. It becomes more than just something we do. It is now a piece of who we are. And once in a while, we step back. Was it worth it? Did we make the right choices? Did it amount to something beyond a feeling or our name etched on a donor plaque? Then something reminds us of all the beautiful things that have happened on the journey and of those who have joined us along the way. As we've done our part to lighten others' loads and care for our little corner of the earth, they've been watching. As generosity has changed us, it has also taken root in them. And we are afforded one of the greatest earthly joys there is, the passing of our legacy to the next generation, knowing that we're leaving it in good hands. Amen. Amen. What a legacy to leave. So we see that generosity is not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. <laughs>